Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Hello, Memorial Weekend, the unofficial start to summer because schools are closing, pools are opening, I like those, and you're going to start to notice there's going to be a bunch more, I don't know, wedding photos, I keep feeling like tis the season. So in honor of that, I've got some awkward wedding photos for us to laugh at this morning. So I've got some categories here. Number one, we just call these Amazing photography options, question mark. The middle one, I have, I have no idea what's happening to the bride coming out of the middle. God, I just, that's freaking me out. I feel like there's an alien reference here, but I've never seen that movie. So the, la- uh, the couple on the, on the left, I'm just like, did they just run off to Olin Mills directly after the ceremony or what's happening? Um, the one on the right, I will let you know that someone... Um, an in-law who shall remain nameless uh, has that uh, image. Do you know who I'm talking about? All right. It's on uh, Steve's parents' wall, and it was not us. Just telling you. Okay. Slide number two, we have bridal party trends. Can you even? The, the bottom, the little, the, the little red people, they're in a hot tub. Is this, uh, this is the photo shoot. I don't know. I really like the rainbow. But that flower, whoo. Okay. Just take it all in. Okay, N- number, let's see, number three, we've got post, uh, post-ceremony celebrations. The top couple is at In-N-Out. Uh, if Steve, if we had one nearby, I'm sure that is what he would have done for our wedding. And I just want the bounce house. Guys, what, who didn't tell me about these ideas? Come on. Uh, after the ceremony, we've got some reception shenanigans. Some are positive. You've seen a lot of cool dances. This was like a, a Congolese heritage, and they were doing a special dance, but the, the bridesmaids fighting over the flowers. Just, it's just, there's nothing I can say. Um, and, and the final slide is just for you, just for you to take in. Just take this in. That is cake. That is a bride. And that is a full-size, life-size cake of her. I saw this 10 years ago. I used to watch this. I used to read this blog that was all about cakes. And that is literally all cake. I watched them cut it. They cut off her arm. Like you can that all of it's cake. It's all cake. I did not watch them decapitate her, no. Okay. Okay. That was just, we just needed that. Just, just, that's just for your fun. I can't tell. Like, I think there may have been one of her smiling at some point, but I just really don't know. I don't know what she really felt in this moment. Did she know it was coming? I don't know. Okay. Um, shout out to my parents who are celebrating 50 years this week. And my in-laws celebrated 50 a couple years ago. Steve and I might be celebrating 25 this summer. Stay tuned. We might have a party. But the wedding, it's just one day. The vows, the rings, the kisses exchanged, it's one day. But the marriage is a commitment. And that involves work and caring about each other and working as a team and trying to grow individually as well as how do you serve the world together? How do you put your skills together and make the world a better place? 
It's a partnership, and marriage is it's a thing that, it's a commitment in a way that reflects Yahweh and his commitment to people. And you'll notice here at Echo, we don't have series on relationships or child rearing or any those kind of series. We just dig into God's word and see what comes up. We read scripture piece by piece and see what comes and we trust that the, that wisdom is going to apply to our households. Well, today, it actually, there's a topic that comes up. It's sometimes surprising to find out where pieces arise in scripture. And today in Exodus 19, it, we're going to find a metaphor here. It's, it's kind of hidden. And you look at it in the original Hebrew, but you dig in and find some richness here where Yahweh is inviting the people of God into a commitment. And it uses some language of people would use in a Jewish wedding ceremony. So we cordially invite you to attend with us today our study of Exodus 19. Now we are almost at the end of our time in Exodus. Got one more week next week. And in this time, we have watched Yahweh seek out a people who were oppressed and rescue them and bring them hope and bring them freedom. But he's been now that they're out of, out of slavery from Egypt and into freedom, God is trying to teach them, well, then how are you going to be? Who are you going to be now that you are free? And so far, they've been on this journey in a desert, and there's like a million people, and God has taken them step by step. He's tried to build in them some trust, remind them of gratitude, remember to rest. Those are all important in our lives as well. In the last two weeks, we've read about Moses. We've looked back at him as a leader and the things he needed to learn. And his fellow leaders who stepped in, noticed his needs, and helped him. And last week, we talked about the challenge of asking for help ourselves. And so now, we are at a point where Yahweh is just presenting it all and saying, this is what it means to be in a relationship with me, and I invite you in. So let me begin in Exodus 19, verse 1. On the first day of the third month, After the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert at the foot of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord, Yahweh, called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You Yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings, brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Up to this point, the relationship it's been a little bit one-sided. God's done all the rescuing. He, he did have all the resources and power to do that. And so, but he presents it in such a beautiful way, carried them on eagles' wings. And now he's like, okay, if we're in this, the relationship has got two sides, and I'm ready to share with you what's next for us. 
And so, you know, being in a relationship with a deity is it's kind of different. But we might bristle at that word obey, and yet worshiping and listening to the wisdom of a God is the way one would have a relationship with a deity. But the Lord is presenting himself differently than all the gods and goddesses that Israel had heard about for centuries in Egypt. So first we're going to see they were at a mountain, and this is a modern-day picture of where they, in Sinai, one of the mountains where it could actually be the one that they were on. If you recall, Moses first had a conversation with God at a burning bush here in the desert of Sinai, and now they're back. And this is where they're going to camp for a while, and they're going to dig into a conversation about a relationship with the Lord. And God tries to remind them, like, I have your best interests at heart. Like, he's trying to show them, like, remember, we did this and we did this because I care about you. And he doesn't want them to lose that. But he uses the word covenant that was in that verse. And in the Hebrew, it's berit. It's like basically a pact, defining this mutual relationship, like what's happening on each side. And you could say it was used if they were describing a king and his servants or in a marriage covenant. Now in verse 5, there's another phrase that we heard, treasured possession. And the Hebrew there is segula. And in some instances, it's a political term for a servant in relationship to a superior, or it can be beloved, a little bit more romantic in nature. So out of all the other nations, Yahweh is saying, Israel, I want you to be my beloved. Now, I know it's kind of weird sometimes to be like, okay, we might hear some worship songs, and they're like, that's a little bit of a leaning on the romantic side, and it's God, but it's a metaphor, okay? God is trying to put it into terms that the people of the day would understand that you are special to me. And so he's using this language of like, you're chosen. Like, I, out of all the people, like, I'm, I'm ready to have a relationship with you. And it just, he's trying to use this language to let them know how valuable they are to this God. Now, I wonder if you heard me say both Barit and Segula had those double meanings. Like it could mean this servant-master relationship, or it's also used in wedding vernacular, marriage vernacular. And so I wonder if there is that benefit of having two different meanings, like Yahweh could demand things, and yet he's approaching it as a, a partnership, a relationship meant to last. Let's jump to verse 7 of Exodus 19. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people responded together, We will do everything Yahweh has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Okay, the interesting part is that the people are like, yes, right away. They are ready to commit. And they say yes, but we know that they, they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to live everything out perfectly. Historic spoiler alert. But they're ready. They're, they're excited about this moment. And but that feels human, right? You know, sometimes we get real excited about some promises and it's hard. It's hard to actually keep promises. Now we see again a little bit of uh, 
a marital metaphor here because the people are saying, like, we do. A little vow here. Now, the vows that the Jewish people would, would speak in their weddings back in ancient Israel are not the same as we know them today. But there was always a verbalization of a commitment. And so Yahweh is placing it out there, and the people get the chance to say, I do. We do. Okay, verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So God's like, I'm going to come down in a presence that you haven't experienced yet. But get ready. And so this conversation about consecrating and washing clothes, those are pieces in the Jewish rite of mikvah. Now, in Hebrew, mikvah means like a pool of water. This is a modern day mikvah. You go down the steps. You have some water. If you've ever seen a baptism in churches today, we've had baptisms here at Echo. And that is a, this is, this is the historic piece that led to baptism. But for the Jewish rites, they would do the mikvah often. Because if you were going to go into worship, there was, there was this idea to prepare. That there were clean and unclean things that, that you could experience, that you could be doing, that you could interact with. And in order to prepare yourself to go worship God, they had this ceremonially cleansing. And so, fun fact, in 2005, Steve and I got to visit Israel, and these are excavations where these are an ancient mikvah. So you see steps down. One of them has some pretty green water in it. But they found all of these pools outside of where the temple was, that this is they needed a bunch so people could practice because they could get clean and go in to worship God. And there's a few way, reasons that people would have this process of mikvah. The priests always would. If they're going to go serve the Lord and their holy role and their very close, intimate relationship representing the people, they would definitely go through the, the ceremony of cleansing. Um, if someone had an infectious skin disease, for example, you would, you would clean before going into worship. A couple more women every month after menstruation and a bride preparing for a wedding day. So there we go. We're still seeing that these are pieces that could connect to the wedding ceremony. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder, lightning, a thick cloud over the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Well, Thunder and lightning, these are pieces that we have seen from Yahweh before. We have the burning bush. He had some, some fire where he's talking to Moses back then. Some of our plagues involved some thunder and lightning. God's presence is overwhelming. And the way it showed up and the way it felt, imagine all the words that people would try to grab and use to express the magnificence that God was coming as close 
as he'd ever been to the people, and they could see it. It says there was a trumpet. Who's blowing the trumpet? God? God a musician? We're guessing. The shofar is a ram's horn that is used in Jewish ceremonies. It would be to call people together. And we read about the shofar being blown to call people together, to assemble, to, to, to gather before a battle, and to gather together for a wedding ceremony. So also notice there was that thick cloud before all the thunder and lightning. And this is, an, this is again, a, a picture of current Mount Sinai with a cloud over it. But think about this. Have you ever seen a Jewish wedding where there's a chuppah, a covering that the bride and the groom stand under? So if we look at this, covering over the mountain could be like this symbol of this tent-like structure to cover the people as this commitment is beginning. So we've been tracking so far. We have covenant, beloved, vows, mikvah, shofar, chuppah. And finally, in verse 20, the Lord descended on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to come to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and Yahweh said, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. And Moses said, to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. This is not the only time that you'll read in scripture where God says, I want to interact with you, but you gotta, I got to have some space. Yahweh's holiness is so great that it could destroy people too closely. That's something spectacular there. There's power, there's glory. And Yahweh says, here's your limit. Then you can still interact with me. There's a Hebrew word called Kadesh that describes a holiness. And that just means it's set apart as special, as different as something. We read in the Word, in the Bible, about holy. Like, what does that mean, that God is set apart, just different and indescribable? But also, you would hear the word Kadesh being described by rabbis to couples to say, your marriage should be Kadesh, holy, set apart. You've put limits on yourselves to say, I'm committed to this one person because our relationship is special. There's something about the limits and the expectations for one another that make it matter. And God presented to the people to say, I love all the people, but I, I'm, I'm ready for a relationship with you to emulate me. And so we're going to make it special. We're going to have a commitment here. We're gonna, you're going to grow and you're going to be more like me out into the world. And you're going to represent me to all nations. There's one more aspect of the marriage ceremony that is not yet in this scripture. It, the ancient practice that still happens in Jewish weddings today is the ketubah. 
It's a Hebrew word for writing, and they're often beautifully ornate like this. And you can see right under the rings, there's signatures there. It is a marriage contract. Um, this one's written in Hebrew, and it's often decorated and framed. I've seen them framed in houses before. And it was especially important because it, it laid out the details, like what is each side bringing to this commitment? And it was especially important for women in ancient Israel who could easily be discarded. And so this is especially important for them to be protected. Now, here we have an exodus. Yahweh has presented all of this wording to the people. But guess what's next? Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. The Big Ten. And what if we thought of them not just as this list of rules, but what if we see it as this ketubah, laying out what the partnership is going to be about? Puts a little different perspective on it. We're going to look more into the 10 next week. But as we close, we're just, we're thinking about the summer. You're going to see all kinds of social posts of weddings and anniversaries. And let's, let's take a moment to pray for people when we see those. You know, we might feel a certain way and see all the spectacle of the glory, the beauty, the things chosen. But let's pray for the two people that God would give them wisdom to make it through the highs and lows, that they would, God would give them strength to stay committed, put in the work. Let's celebrate every relationship we have. Maybe not just a marriage. Let's celebrate our friendships and those commitments. Think about our family relationships. Let's celebrate being a church family that we can be together. Because every commitment, it's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. But before we end, I do want to speak honestly because anytime you bring up a conversation like this and you, you see the ideal in a relationship, you might be thinking of the ways that you've also seen it break. And I know those of us here have experienced some broken relationships. And those might be on your mind and heart right now. And I want you to also see the grace here in God's word. Because as we said, we said a spoiler alert that Israel is not always going to be able to keep this commitment. Yahweh sets out the ideal for humans and says, this is the least destruction. This is the best flourishing for your life. This is the ideal. And then he says, free will. And humans rarely stay perfectly on the ideal, do we? And so there's times when we break each other's hearts. We get to choose. We don't always choose well. God makes some contingency plans. For Israel, here's what it looked like. The people of God, they were excited about this commitment. Full of love. Yes, we do. Then they get distracted. At some point, we're going to see them jealous of other nations. We want what they have. Like a person in a relationship that suddenly likes the single life again. Like they're just looking over their shoulder. What else is out there? So Israel would break that commitment. And Yahweh told them it was going to happen. And said it's going to be painful. And there were some consequences that played out. But Yahweh can never leave that relationship a mess. 
Yahweh, the one with the resources and the power, the authority, the care in this relationship pursued Israel again and again and said, after a little while, I'll come and rescue them and draw them near to me and heal them. God says this language again and again and returns back to reconnect. It's a cycle we'll see over and over in Scripture. And that is why Yahweh eventually created the ultimate reconciliation through Jesus. Jesus lived out this covenant in a whole new way with people, among people, and tried to demonstrate what this commitment really looked like here on earth. And he became the covenant for all humanity, for eternity. He brought us a way to stay reconciled, to stay connected with Yahweh. And today, when humans stray from the ideal, we can cling to Jesus and begin again. When we've been harmed, when we've been devastated by other people, Jesus weeps with us and he stays with us and he reminds us of the commitment that's never going anywhere. When we have been the one who've harmed other humans, who've damaged relationships, we can, we can go to Jesus and lay it all out and, and express our part. And we're promised forgiveness. We can ask for help to stop our own cycles of sin. We can find a way to make amends. We worship a God who understands love and he understands heartbreak. And he understands betrayal and he understands new life again. So let's not forget that Yahweh desires a lasting commitment with us. And it might seem interesting to have a relationship with an invisible God who is in three characteristics and has an interesting history and requires faith to be involved together. And yet, he keeps promising that he's not going anywhere. And so we thank him. And even we thank him for the expectations that he has for us. Because when someone expects something out of you, it means that you matter, that your presence matters. So when Yahweh lays out some expectations for us, we can see it as a reminder of his love to say that when you show up, it matters to God. And we thank the Holy Spirit for those fleeting moments. We can live up to those expectations. And we thank Jesus for living it out on our behalf when we fall short. So let's just come before God. We close our service every week in communion. We have a meal and Jesus said, remember me. And today let's remember that he, he became that covenant for us, that he wants to keep connecting us with God, that he is our way, that he's not going anywhere. And let's cling to him, have time to talk to him together during our communion time. And if you'd like to talk more about what that means to be in a relationship with God, please come, come talk to me. Come, come stick with Echo. 
we're in this journey together. We're still figuring it out, how to live, how to live like God and with God day by day. And we don't do it alone. We do it as the family of God. So thank you for being here. And let's close in prayer together. Yahweh, Lord God, thank you for desiring partnership with people. Thank you for showing us what it looked like for ancient Israel. And thank you that you still want to be in relationship with us today. We come to you and we're all a bit broken. We've all had some damage. We've all done some damage. And we're trying to trust you, Lord. Thank you for knowing that it's hard for us. Thank you for knowing that we're going to need forgiveness and new starts. Thank you for being present and welcoming us every time. We turn to you today, Lord, and and say thank you for modeling and initiating a commitment with us. And though it's scary, we step toward your covenant together. We lift your name on high. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.